You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. Nearly 27,000 men have played at least one game in the 101-year history of the National Football League. Among those, there are 224 sets of fathers and sons who both played, and our guests today are on both of those lists. Paul Kaufman played 11 seasons in the NFL, mostly with the Green Bay Packers. He played two seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs and one with the Minnesota Vikings. He made the Pro Bowl three times and was inducted into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in 1994. His oldest son, Chase, played parts of eight seasons with five different teams after a stellar career at the University of Missouri. They not only share the same last name and a bloodline, they also share a position as both played tight end. Gentlemen, welcome to Sports Connections. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us on, David. All right, are you guys, and, and this is for either one of you, are you guys surprised that there aren't more sets of fathers and sons? I mean, you obviously have to have the genetic ability, the, the things that passed on through genes to be able to play that sport. Are you surprised there's not more than 224 father-son sets? Yeah, I'll let Chase answer it first, and then I'll go. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say no, not that surprised. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty stinking hard to get there. And even, um, even if you do have the talent, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of luck of just being right time, right place. And, and of course, injuries, you know, injuries are a huge part of the game. And, you know, there's been a lot of people that have probably had the, the, the ability to get to that level and, and had an injury at a young age or, or at, a, at an age where, you know, that it was, it was really like, you know, make it or break it for them. Okay. What about you, Paul? Well, um, actually a lot of them that are fathers and sons, I know, uh, you know, I played against Howie Long and uh, he had two sons play. Um, uh, Steve Jordan, uh, his son, Curtis Jordan plays for the saints. Uh, Mark Bell, who uh, his twin brother, Mike and I were, uh, teammates here with the Chiefs and Mark's son Blake plays and uh, a unique story uh, that involves Chase is when I was in Green Bay uh, one of my quarterbacks was a guy by the name of David Whitehurst and David threw me passes and then his son Charlie played in the NFL and his son Charlie threw Chase passes so you know, as rare as maybe father sons playing in the NFL, just to have two fathers where one was a quarterback, one was a tight end and two sons where one was a quarterback, one was a tight end and actually completed passes, you know, the quarterback to the tight end. And uh, so uh, we, we thought that was maybe a, a trivia question someday. There you go. Stump the chumps. I, I'm going to, I'm going to use that for sure. I've stumped them a few times. And, All right. But I, I, yeah. And I want to add one more thing to that. Um, you know, it, it, it is also not that surprising seeing some of those guys that, you know, the, the second generation or uh, the next generation to make it because of, I mean, I know just the benefit of having a dad that had made it and, you know, the things that he knew that, um, that got him there. Right. So having that that person to go ahead of you and kind of give you the the path to, hey, this is what I did to get here. This is what I saw other people doing, you know, that made it as well. And so, you know, not everybody gets to have that either. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where I was going with that question, guys, because to me, um, you know, my son now he's 38 years old, so he doesn't have the ability now to break into the NFL. But he hadn't he didn't have the ability when he was 21 or 22 because he didn't inherit any athletic ability. So there's that side of it, but also the, the, you know, the knowledge of the game. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in, in the questioning. Uh, but I think that has some, you know, there, I know it's a baseball expression. Yogi Berra used to say 90% of the game is half mental, but I think that's true in football as well. That the, the NFL is filled with great athletes and the guys that were just cut, you know, heading into the cut down day earlier this week, and obviously, we're recording this uh, in September. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of talent, plenty of athletic ability in those guys that were cut that aren't going to play in the NFL. So I think there's a lot of the mental side of it as well. Yeah, I mean, so much more goes into it other than just talent. 
Uh, again, Chase mentioned, you know, right place, right time, right coach, right teammates, right system, um, you know, so to catch some breaks, uh, overcoming adversity, uh, being able to focus on uh, the game and not some of the outside things. Uh, you know, Chase and I both saw guys that loved what went with the game more than they loved the game itself. And uh, you can look no farther than a guy by the name of Alex Smith, who played here with the Chiefs and uh, then went on, played for Washington and uh, had a, a gruesome leg injury and almost died and, and almost lost his leg. But yet just his love for the game drove him to go through, you know, a couple of years of rehab. And he finally got back on the field. Now there, you know, there's a guy that loves the game. I mean, you have you have people opting out because of they're afraid they might catch COVID, and you got a guy that you know is on the verge of of losing his life. Going, I'm going to do everything I can to get back on the field. Yeah, and as an aside, I think the the comeback player of the year award from here on out should be known as the Alex Smith Award. Uh, I've been championing that for a while, so. Uh, I think that's true. I want I want to break this apart a little bit. I'll ask, I'll start with Paul and then I'll go to Chase. I want to ask you some specific questions. And Chase, when I'm asking you to add questions, feel free to jump in. And Paul, you'll have that same opportunity when when we, we start grilling Chase a little bit. Correct, so, correct, correcting his memory. Is that what you're asking <laughs> me to do? <laughs> that, that's something for Thanksgiving family dinner. I, you can just you can just add insights to it. So uh, let's start with your career, Paul. You exceeded expectations every step of the way. You walked on at Kansas State. You weren't highly recruited. And then after your career, you went undrafted. And yet you ended up in the Packers Hall of Fame. What drove you? I, I think, like I mentioned before, just I love the game. Um, you know, I, just getting out of there physically, you know, roughing it up, being being all boy. Uh, I grew up in a town of 600 people in western Kansas. My mom and dad were both school teachers. My dad was also a farmer. And other than farming, we had oil field workers. And I feel like I had the best combination of hard work and education. Um, you know, there, there were people in our community that, you know, they didn't work nine to five. They, they worked from the time they got up to the time they went to bed and they did whatever it took to get the job done. And I just had that modeled for me as a young boy. And when I didn't get the scholarships, uh, it's like, I, I always tell people that you need a living example of somebody who's done what you want to do. Somebody that's no bigger, faster, stronger, no smarter, no better looking. Um, but he's gone on and achieved what you want to achieve, whether that's in business or in sports or in your personal life. And I had a guy that I played against in high school from Little River, Kansas. His name was Perry Beers. We are friends to this day. And he got a scholarship to Kansas State. And I said, if Perry Veers can get a scholarship to Kansas State and make it, I can make it. It gave me hope that, you know what, here's a guy I know. I've played against him. He's good, but he wasn't any better than I was. But was he and, better looking? Uh, <laughs> well, probably. He, yeah, I have to ask him that question. It might get different answers. But, uh, you know, even when I was at K-State, Gary Spaney, my roommate, and I came up to a Chiefs-Viking preseason game, and the Vikings had a, a tight end by the name of Stu Voigt that was 6'2", about 220 pounds, and he'd been in the league for five years, and I watched him the whole game, and I thought, if Stu Voigt can be in the NFL for five years, I can be in it. And I've actually told Stu that story, and he's like, well, I'm glad I could be a part of your success, but... Uh, you know, it gave me hope that I, I could achieve that. And, uh, you know, obviously it's something I love to do. Uh, if you don't really love it, if it's just not down in your heart, boy, the, the heartaches, uh, you know, the, the pain, you know, the, the ups and downs, I mean, it just didn't worth it. But if, if you love it and there, there's just no better, better sport uh, to form bonds that last a lifetime, to learn life lessons. Uh, Sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes it's not fun. 
sometimes you get hurt and sometimes you lose. And uh, that's exactly what you go through in, in football. And, and I'm guessing the answer you just gave would apply to this next question, but I'll ask the question anyway. How hard was it for you to excel personally when you played on teams that weren't very good? We, we all know K-State's history when you were playing there before Bill Snyder's era, K-State struggled football and Green Bay even during most of your career was not great. How hard was it for you to excel when the team teams you were on were not great? Well, I, I think even the fact that, you know, walking on at K-State being a free agent in the NFL, I think I was a little naive. I, I, I didn't really realize that people like me didn't have a chance to make it, <laughs> you know, and even when we went in against Oklahoma and Nebraska back at the times we were at K-State, I mean, we, we were out, man, uh, you know, by the third quarter, they'd have maybe their third team players in sometimes, but I went into the game thinking we, we were going to win, hmm. that I was going to do something that maybe I could make a play here or there, something just to spark everybody. And, uh, you know, so I, I think sometimes being naive to the fact, uh, that somebody says it can't be done. You know, my son, Carson, he's an entrepreneur and, and he always says, he goes, I, I really don't like dealing with real smart people because they can figure out all the ways it shouldn't work. You know, where sometimes the guy that just says, you know what, I know it shouldn't work, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. And they force through it. And all of a sudden, you know, they got an idea or, uh, you know, they, they've made millions off of something that everybody else said, no, it'll never work. And I think just being a little naive to the fact, uh, that maybe we had a chance, you know, even though we didn't, uh, you know, just kept, kept me plugging along that, Hey, there, there's hope we can do it. You know, then, and you've seen upsets. I mean, oh, yeah. movies are made out of the miracle, miracle on ice and, you know, all these underdogs that, you know, didn't have Rudy, you know, I mean, that, that, that's kind of what, you know, America is built on is the yeah. underdog overachieving. And, and I'll ask you, I got to know Carson a little bit when he was playing at K-State, and I will bring him up uh, for question for both of you uh, later on. But, Paul, what, what were the highlights of your college and pro career? Well, I, I think, first of all, is the relationships, you know, the bonds that are formed, guys that, you know, I mean, obviously you don't go to battle, but, you know, you're out there competing with each other. And you don't want your teammates down. And to, to me, you know, obviously walking on at K-State, the day I got the scholarship was big. Um, being a free agent in Green Bay, the day that Bart Starr called me in his office and told me that he's releasing the starting tight end and the way I worked, the way I prepared, I've earned the right to be the starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. You know, men like Bart Starr that, you know, spoke those words of life, there's a proverb in the bible it says the power of life and death are in the tongue you can encourage people with your words or you can discourage people and i i had people around me that encouraged me and uh you know i i think you know the more than just you know the field and winning games or uh reaching milestones you know catching touchdown passes it, it's the people the relationships it's, and I'm guessing in trying to trying to summarize what I heard you just say, it's not so much about the plays, the games, the opponents. It's about being there. It's about being a part of something bigger than yourself. Correct. Yes. I mean, you know, I, I look at, you know, the United States now and just how divided it is. And, you know, it's kind of like it's all about me. I want this. What's good for me? What's, you know, and, you know, on a football team, I mean, you have to be a part of 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense. And you're one person there and everything has to work together. And it doesn't matter if you're black, you're white, you're Muslim, you're Christian, you're atheist. Say, you know, I'm going to get the job done. You may not even like the guy in the locker next to you, but come Sunday, you got his back. And so I think, you know, our, our society could look at sports in general and say, you know what? You know, if these guys can come together as a team for a well, common goal that's bigger than yourself, you know, so can we. So maybe the maybe the answer to our nation's problems is divide up 
all 250 million people we have in America into groups of 11. And all right, you guys go work on it. You guys, you know, play football, do, do whatever. Maybe that's the, maybe the, that's the answer for our country. Um, I think that can, that can be the answer, but we've also seen teams that have been broken apart by those 11. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Okay. Uh, One more question for Paul before we get to some specifically for Chase and Paul, uh, Chase, I'm, I'm quite proud of you for not correcting uh, your dad any, but now now we're going to get into a little bit muddy territory. Paul, all of your kids have achieved athletic success. Did you push them into sports or did it just come naturally because of the genetics and, and what they saw growing up? Uh, I think, you know, obviously they were at a young age. Uh, it's something that they enjoyed, that they were good at. Uh, once they made that decision that, hey, this is what I want to do, then I, I pushed them a little bit. You know, I, I they got out of their comfort zone. We had a little, you know, some confrontations here and there. You know, it's like, hey, if this is what you really want to do and you want to be good at it, then you can't be doing this or you need to be doing that. But, you know, at first it, it's, it was all their choice. And, uh, you know, I told Chase, I said, if you want to be a piccolo player, I want you to be the first chair piccolo player. You know, it, it's like if you're committed to it, then go after it and be the best you can be. So Chase, did he ever really encourage you to be a piccolo player or was that kind of like an afterthought? He really wanted you to be a tight end and, uh, and, and but if you chose piccolo, you'd be okay yeah. with it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think I got the concept when he said it, but <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my gifting wasn't in, in playing the piccolo. Um, <laughs> okay. Fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to put it. (laughs) How much of your motivation was to live up to the success your dad had? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. So like living up to that success and I didn't, I didn't really even under quite understand it. And like my dad said earlier, kind of the naivety that you go into it with and it was just like, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's what my dad did. And, you know, why can't I do that too? Right. Um, and I think that he and my mom both did a good job of, you know, like just encouraging us through all the ups and downs of, you know, for most, for most of our lives at sports, um, you know, encouraging us through that. And like, Hey, if, if, if you want to be good, we're going to try to provide as much opportunity as, um, as we think is healthy for you guys, number one. And then also just encourage you and, you know, <laughs> encourage you through the failures because, it's that's that's how you really grow through it um and I think that we all took to that well and and also just as you know four siblings you know all playing sports kind of you know competed against each other in some some way or shape or form and I know that um (laughs) my youngest brother Cameron he, he was you know maybe one of the some people say the most athletic well I you know we'll see about that but um <laughs> but I mean he would be out there you know up up to probably our belly buttons Carson and I and you know running around playing football or basketball or dodgeball or you know whatever whatever we were playing around the around the house or yard and you know competing with with all of us big kids <laughs> yeah I, I heard a story one time um when and this was back when before long before uh, NFL players were making big money, but Johnny Unitas got a big contract for the day and moved into a new neighborhood. And soon all the neighborhood kids found out that Johnny Unitas and his family moved into that house down, down the street. And so it was a daily thing that some neighborhood kids would come and ring the doorbell and whoever would come to the door say, can Johnny come and sign autographs? And his kids were, you know, five, six years old. They didn't understand who their dad was. He was just dad. And so they ended up going around the neighborhood and ringing the doorbells of all the other neighborhoods and saying, can your dad sign autographs for me? So it's really a matter of perspective. That's all you knew is that your dad had uh, athletic success. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. And the more that, um, the more that I've grown up and, and kind of, gained a little bit more knowledge and wisdom, the more, you know, the more special it is um, to kind of see what he's done and the kind of person that, you know, more importantly, the kind of person that he is and the father and husband. And um, yeah, so don't, don't cry. Don't cry over that. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, yeah, I think my wife, Amy, she, Amy is the non-athletic one of our family. And uh, she would always tell our kids, it's what you do, it's not who you are. Yeah. Don't draw all your acceptance and significance in life from the fact that you're an athlete. You know, your, your character is number one. Yeah. Not you, know, you can catch a football or you can hit a volleyball or you can score a touchdown or make a basket. You know, what kind of person are you? And uh, <clears throat> from a young age, um, you know, that that was what we tried to stress to our kids. That, you know, you're, you're not just a football player. Right. You know, there, there are a whole lot more things in life that are more important than, than this. Chase, I want to ask you a little bit about your playing career. You, you're built like a tight end. You're what, 6'6", 250, is that right? Or is that your playing weight? Um, yeah, that's that's what I played at, right around that at my, my senior year of college. Okay. Um, can you imagine playing tight end in the NFL at 6'3", 222? And I'm guessing, Paul, that was embellished a little. <laughs> Were you really... 222 yeah. when you were playing? I had a five pound weight in my jock. So really <laughs> I was like two, 217 at the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't the biggest, strongest, fastest guy. But, uh, you know, that again, I, I think my coach and my teammates put me in position to succeed. They didn't yeah. ask me to do things that they would ask, you know, a, a bigger, stronger guy to do. So Chase, what would have been, what do you think it would have been like to try and play uh, eight years in the NFL, three inches shorter and 30 pounds lighter? Yeah, that'd have been, that'd have been interesting. I know that uh, <laughs> it seemed, it seems like guys are just getting bigger, faster, stronger every day. Yeah. And, you know, I go back to Mizzou or, you know, around, around some of the guys that I know that, you know, maybe still playing and, and just like, holy cow, like I, I can't, I can't believe that I did it sometimes. Uh, yeah. So, so being, being smaller, even than that, um, I mean, heck, it, like my dad said, it is a lot about, you know, being utilized in the right capacity. Right. And, you know, I think good coaches do a great job of, and, and good organizations do a great job of putting people in position to really, really succeed in those, in those situations, you know, whether they, they should fit the mold of the position that they play. Right. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, one of the best, examples of that right now is Chase Daniel you know he went undrafted I played with him and he was my college quarterback and you know he's this is year 13 he just made the Chargers and you know has made probably more money than any backup quarterback in the NFL and you know everybody said he was too small but he's a competitor and he's smart and he's going to keep working his working his butt off to you know make the team better and and fill the role that he's he's been put in. You talk about Mizzou, and I know as someone who's covered K-State for a number of years, went to grad school there, I was really hoping when you came out of Ray Peck High School that you would sign at K-State. How hard was it for you? I don't want to go into the, you know, the reasons behind it. Yeah. Um, you obviously had your reasons. How hard was it for you to not go to K-State? Um, it, was, it was down to K-State and Mizzou, and it was, you know, at the time the biggest decision of my you know one of the biggest decisions of my life and you know the goal was always to make it to the NFL and mm -hmm. kind of what what school and offense and coaches and organization would pro provide the best opportunity for that and you know I prayed a lot about it I did you know <laughs> a, an English paper on the four schools that it was you know down to and all the pros and the cons of, of those four schools and mm -hmm. still didn't have my mind made up and so it was, you know, it was, it was a very, very tough decision for a young man to make. So I understand that for sure. And uh, just the encouragement from my dad, and my parents, even though they both went to Kansas State to say, hey, you know, this is your decision. And I want you to be fine with making, you know, the decision that you feel is best for you, not pushed by what we think is best for you. It's, it's funny that parents will all say that it's your decision, you know, I'm, I'm working with Tim Grunhardt on a book on his career and he grew up in Chicago. There, there were two football teams in his world, the bears and Notre Dame. And, you know, he said his dad, you did not talk to his dad on Saturday afternoons because he was watching Notre Dame football and he wasn't originally recruited by Notre Dame. And then Lou Holtz took the job and, and offered him the opportunity to come down for a campus visit. 
And he said all the way down there, they were saying, Tim, this is your decision. We're not going to influence you. It's totally up to you. You know, and he, he said, I think they were trying to set it up in case they didn't actually make a scholarship offer. But he said, we had, we did the tour on Saturday and Sunday morning, I came down to breakfast and my dad said, so when are you signing here? <laughs> so you're saying that really wasn't the case. Your folks let you yeah, really yeah. decide it was your, your call. Yes. I, I really, I really feel that Missouri did the best job of recruiting him. I mean, they were the very first to offer him. Uh, they probably offered him six, eight months before K-State even, you know, started recruiting him. And uh, so they, they got the jump and uh, you know, they, they did a better job and uh, you know, it, it was a good fit for Chase. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask you, uh, and obviously you only have your perspective, but your opinion is an advantage chase to, to have a father who played in the NFL or is it, is there a disadvantage or is it both? Oh, I mean, every single player in the NFL is different. So that, that person, you know, there's a lot of, uh, adult aged people in the NFL that are fathers that don't act like it unfortunately. And, you know, there's a lot of them that, that do act like it and do a great job. And, and I am extremely blessed to have a father that, that was intentional about, you know, being a parent and a good father and, and not, not just about selfish things. And I think that, a lot, you know, everybody tries to do what, what is, what they believe is best, the best way that they know how. Um, and I know that I've seen my dad make a lot of mistakes and, you know, the, the thing is, and that what he's taught me is you just, you know, you keep going and you learn from them. Um, so for me, it was a, I mean, it was a huge benefit to having a father in the NFL and, you know, just the, the impact that he's, that I've seen that he's had on people, the impact that I've seen that he's had on me and my own family and just how that, how that reflects just continued over time and time and time, you know, it's, it's, it can really alter a person's life. Right. Um, and, and it's altered mine in a, in a very positive way. And I can see how it's, it could be the same for others in a negative way. And you, you guys both talked about determination, certainly taking advantage of the opportunities that are there, but determination and drive that, that you both have, and some could label it stubbornness. Uh, but is it, how much of it is part of the success for both of you? And like I said earlier, I, I got to know Carson uh, when, when he came to K-State and he came with his buddy, Josh Freeman, who was highly recruited quarterback. And throughout his time there, Carson said, I'm going to be the starting quarterback here. And it turns out he was right. How much is that determination, stubbornness, if you want to call it that, is a family trait? I think that's just the, the not quitting um, we had, we, you know, we had grown up with the Freeman family and there's four of them and four, four of us. And we'd have all kinds of games in the backyard and front yard and their house and our house and every other place. And, uh, <laughs> we've, we've found ways to beat Josh and his siblings, just like they had found ways to beat us. Ours. <laughs> and so it was, it was, a you know, kind of don't quit attitude. And, um, like my dad said, the, Hey, like, I, you know, I don't care that maybe Josh is a little bit bigger or stronger, or, you know, the, the five-star quarterback or whatever he, he was. And I'm a, you know, zero-star quarterback. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to keep, keep doing this because I know that, you know, it, it's provided success in, in certain areas, right? Maybe not always. And, you know, if, if Josh is going to let up once, then Carson's going to take, you know, try to take that out from him and, yeah. and vice versa. Well, um, Paul, do you have anything to add to that? Well, there's just, you know, the verse in the Bible that iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I mean, you know, if, if you got competition, you either get better or you fall behind. And, uh, you know, you just have to say that, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. And if I'm not the starter, then the guy in front of me is going to be pretty darn good because, you know, I'm, I'm going to push it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, you know, a principle that we, you know, try to instill in our kids that, hey, you do the best you can and, you know, everybody will get better. 
Please, please tell Carson I said hello. I, I enjoyed watching him play and I enjoyed watching his determination. So please pass along greetings to him. Um, other than getting into the ESPN zone restaurants for free, what are the advantages of being a former NFL player? I didn't know we got into the ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think in a way it, it's intriguing to people. Um, people will tell me, well, I bet that gets you business. I said, it doesn't get me business, but sometimes it gets my foot in the door. Uh, you know, people are interested in, okay, what's the inside story? What was it really like to be out there? I mean, just, you know, you look at Arrowhead Stadium on, on Sunday and, you know, 80 some thousand people there. And I mean, you know, the, these guys are, are glued to the game and just to get a piece of an NFL player to find out what, what it was really like, yeah, uh, you know, it, it intrigues people. And so it, it, it opens doors for you. It's, you know, an icebreaker, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity when, when people start talking sports, you go, well, you know, I, I was there, I actually experienced that and here's what it's really like. And, uh, so it, it you know, as a young kid, you dream about it and it was, it was kind of a dream come true. I mean, how many, people actually get to live their dream, what they dreamed of being or doing as, as a little child. And uh, all of a sudden here, we got to do it. And, uh, you know, it, it's and then cut. <laughs> yeah. 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 Kind of like, you know, kind of like coaches, you know, you have those that have been fired and those that are going to get fired. If you're an NFL player, it's those who are getting cut or those who are going to get cut. You know? Yeah. Chase, anything else to add? Um, yeah, I, I would just really second that, um, what my dad said. And, you know, the way that we met David through ShareWaves and um, it's, a, it's an organization just helping kids to stay in sports, right? I think we all know the benefit of what sports teaches teaches young athletes, right? Kids, when, when you have a good coach, right? And the, the higher up you get, the more dialed in you get of that, the more, you know, the more, the more times you, you have a chance to lose, the more times you have a chance to win, the more times you have a chance to learn and be a part of something that's bigger than yourself, right? And keep going. Um, and so that just, that just continues to grow. And if you're able to do it for as long as, you know, we were blessed to be able to be in it, um, it really, it really continues to just be a big part of your life. Um, kind of, you know, another way to look at that is, you know, there's a lot of people that have, you know, everybody's been given some kind of gift by God. And ours, you know, was part of that was playing football and being athletically talented. And that's just something that our society happens to put on a pedestal. So if we can use that to be, you know, try to mirror, mirror what we think, you know, Christ was like as much as possible, then that's, that's what we want to do to be able to encourage people to be able to, like my dad said, get our foot in the door and just show people who we really are. Um, and, and then from there, you know, your actions, you know, prove, prove what they think or uh, disprove what they didn't. Great answer. Great answers for both of you. And, and Paul, I know you played, I don't, I'm not downplaying that, but I want to talk to you real quickly about being the dad in this particular question, what advice would you give to dads who have sons or daughters with the ability to play pro sports? Uh, stay off the internet. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't read the message boards. Uh, find a seat way up in the corner of the stands away from even other parents at times. I mean, you know, I had two sons that were quarterbacks on average you know, to actually with Cameron, you know, poor team. And, uh, you know, according to some people in the stands, it's uh, all the quarterback's fault. And uh, if you're the dad, you know, I told my wife one time, I go, either I'm going to go up there and say something to those people. And I pointed way up to the top of the stadium, or, or I'm going to have to sit up in that very top seat up there that was vacant. She pointed up to the top. She goes, <laughs> <"Sit up there." laughs> but, uh, you know, don't, don't try to push your expectations, you know, on, on your child. I mean, you know, the sport itself is, is going to put enough pressure on them. You know, again, the unconditional love that, you know, I, I love you whether you 
play or not. I whether I love you whether you're good or not. You know, your your acceptance and significance in life doesn't come from your performance. You know, it, it's you that I love, and uh, so I think you know that the parents just need to convey that to them that you know it, it's not about your successes and failures. You know, I'm your dad, and and that's why I love you. And uh, you know, I think too many times, you know, the the child will feel, well, I have to live up to those expectations. But, uh, you know, find what your child has a passion for and what they're good at and encourage them in that way. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a lot easier being a player than it is the parent. <laughs> you know, it's like as a player, you think, well, I have some control, you know, in, in my performance. But uh, when your child's out there, you know, you're sitting in the stands and, uh, you know, the, the emotions are, are up and down and uh, you just have to control them uh, during those times. Okay. And Chase, flip, the flip side of that, what advice would you give to young athletes who have parents who were successful athletes themselves? Ask yourself if you love it, right? What's, 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 your, what's your reason of, of playing? Right. And so, and for some, for some people, it's just to get to college and have, you know, get an education. Um, for some, it's just to be part of something. It get, you know, it does give them kind of an identity. Right. But to try to pull that away from them as much as possible. Um, and just say, you know, do it, do what you enjoy. Right. Maybe God made you athletically gifted, but you just don't enjoy it. You know, go, go do what you want to do. Play the pickle. And, yeah, I played the piccolo. <laughs> I tried, I played trombone, you know, my sixth sixth grade, I think it was. And uh it was really because some of my friends were doing it and we could go to Worlds of Fun as a as a music class if you were on the band. And you know, it didn't didn't play out after that, but <laughs> uh I and I understand, you know, some kids don't have that opportunity and parents push them to play and force them to, you know, go to Notre Dame or what what have you. But you know, try to try to find those things about it if you are forced to play that you do enjoy and and get good at it right and if for nothing else you know to be accountable to your team um it, it is a team sport and like my dad mentioned earlier just you know from all backgrounds from all orientations from all family styles you know um you you, you still have one job to do right and it doesn't just just matter to you it matters to the whole organization, you know, top to bottom. You know, to, something I might add to that too. Uh, I coached freshman football up at Ray Peck when the kids were playing, and uh, our coach Tom Cruise. You know, we we would have kids that would come out for football that really had no business being out for football, and uh, Coach Cruise would always say, you know, make sure that this kid stays with us. Because this team will do more for him than he will ever do for the team. You know, I mean, even though, you know, he wasn't very good, he was, again, part of something bigger than himself. He had a group of guys around him that they had his back. You know, I mean, he, he may have got knocked down a lot on the field, but walking through the halls, he was part of that team. And, uh, you know, it, it – you know, football. And nobody, and nobody, nobody that wasn't on the football team was going to knock him down in the halls. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But uh, you know, it, it just to have those kids that you know, hey, I, I'm on the football team, and uh, it gave him a sense of pride that, that he could do that. And uh, you know, he learned about hard work. He learned about come, you know, overcoming adversity and things. And you know, those are things that he, he might not have ever had the the opportunity to learn had he not been out for that game. All right. The, the, um, we're releasing this episode the week of leading up to the Packers Chiefs game uh, in, in November. And Paul, I know you, you, you made your bones with the Packers, but you did play two seasons with the Chiefs. I'm not going to ask you um, who you're rooting for on Sunday, but you obviously grew up in, in Kansas, went to Kansas State, You've been around Kansas City most of your life since since your career. Chase, you grew up in Kansas City, uh, never played for the Chiefs. Are you able to root for the Chiefs as your now your hometown team, or do you look do you root for players that you played with? 
how how does the fandom come? I've been a Chiefs fan. I remember them coming to Kansas City in 1963. I was five years old. My dad was a football fan, so I was a football fan, and I became a Chiefs fan. So I don't have any split allegiances. How hard is it for you guys as former players to find a team to root for? Well, I, I found out a long time ago that rooting has no bearing in the outcome of the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I rooted for my team every time they played. And, uh, you know, like you say, we were maybe 500 or below. But, uh, you know, playing the game in, in a way you're not, you're not a rabid fan. You know, you, you kind of watch the game and, you know, the players and their techniques and, you know, the overall scheme of things. And uh, so, you know, you don't get up and scream and yell, you know, you might go, God, I can't believe he dropped that. It was right in his hands. <laughs> or, you know, that's that, that tackle took too deep a set and just opened up the gate for that defensive end, you know, get in there. You know, I mean, you know, my son Carson, like sometimes I'd say something about the quarterback and he would say, Dad, you've never stood back there. <laughs> you know, he goes, you got five guys that are probably six, five or over standing there. And you got five guys that are trying to rip your head off. You got to see through all of them and find the open guy. You know, he said, so don't criticize, you know, that guy. So <laughs> we got to go round and round in our own household. But, yeah. uh, you know, as, as far as rooting, obviously we, we love for the Chiefs to win. We love for Green Bay to win. Um, we, when Chiefs play Green Bay, it's a win-win. You know, I mean, whoever wins, we're happy. Chase, you got anything to add? Yeah, I, I, would, I would kind of go off on that. And also just I'm, I'm still fresh enough in it that I know some of the guys that are still playing, um, some of the coaches that are still around. And – you know, the, the organizations that, that I really enjoyed. And so that's kind of how, how I go. I, I'm the chiefs are always going to be the hometown team and they're the hometown team for my kids now. And so, you know, I, I do enjoy seeing them. they're really good right now. And so good football is fun to watch regardless of what team it is. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not, it's not going to affect my week other than how it's affecting the people around me. But I, I do I, I do enjoy seeing the Chiefs win, um, hopefully every week. But I, I also, with three little kids, seven, five, and two, I don't have that much time to watch much football right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we, we're getting close to wrapping up here. I want to find out or talk about what you guys are doing. I'm going to start with you, Chase, I, because you, what you're doing is a little more obvious because you got – BMG advisors right over your shoulder. So talk about what you're doing and then we'll let Paul talk about what he's, yeah. he's still doing. Cause he's not retired yet. Not yet. He's still gone. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, after transitioning from football, I helped coach it, just volunteer coach at my old high school, Ray Peck, and then got into financial advising. It was something that, you know, I know everybody, you know, needs help with whether they do it themselves or not. And so um, it also touches every aspect of people's lives. So I can, encourage them kind of through all the through all that stuff and try to give them some advice through some through something that is is really important um and if nobody wants to you know come along with me and my team then at least i'll know more about it for my own well-being <laughs> but uh bmg advisors and we're right right down on the plaza and it's been um almost three years now that i've been here and learned a ton and a, a great great team that i get to work with every day all right, Paul, what are you keeping busy doing other than chasing grandkids? I've been with the same company for 32 years. It's uh, Meyer Labs in Blue Springs, Missouri. And uh, we uh, manufacture and distribute all kind of chemical cleaners, degreasers, sanitizers, hand soaps, floor finish. So we've been real busy. And my niche has been the grocery stores in town. I do all the balls and McKeever's price choppers here in Kansas City and uh they, they need to clean and sanitize. They get inspected every month. And, uh, you know, we've been busy. Uh, Russ Meyer, who owns the company, he was an old minor league baseball player with the Royals. And I met him through uh, some uh, ex-football players at K-State. And he would put together some summer softball leagues that would, uh, you know, travel around and, and play softball tournaments. And uh, then I started working for him. And uh, I'm out around people. I you know, pretty flexible in my schedule. And 
I'm selling people things that they need, uh, you know, and uh, so I, I, I enjoy it and uh, it's hopefully I can do it for a few more years. Uh, got some acreage out in Peculiar and actually Chase just bought some acreage right next to my original acreage and uh, so can't wait for him to build and uh, move the grandkids a little closer. Righty. Um, we always like to wrap up with two things. First of all, let's talk about family. Obviously, there's the connection. If, if people didn't know before, if they listened to the interview, they could tell that you were father and son just because of the similarities in your answers and the and similarities in approach and stuff. Talk about the rest of your family. Your uh, Paul, I'll let you go first. Your your other kids and your wife, and and uh, and then we'll let Chase talk about his three little ones. Well, sometimes people will ask me, well, what are you most proud of? You know, and they're probably thinking about football or something. But, you know, I've been married to my wife for 36 years. Uh, we have four children that all Division One college scholarships, all have degrees from college and, uh, you know, are productive people in life. And, uh, you know, so that's that's probably what I'm most proud of, but my wife, Amy, uh, is from Kansas City and went to Kansas State and, uh, you know, met her there. And then uh, Chase, obviously, you know, know all about him. Carson played at Kansas State and then played uh, arena football for three years and uh, hurt his shoulder on the hard arena turf and uh, kind of ended his career. But he's an entrepreneur now and uh, he's developing a, a, an app called Wana. And uh, he has hired our son, Cameron, to work with him. And uh, it's a kind of a sports betting app that peer-to-peer uh, -peer type betting that, uh, you know, if, if you like K-State and Chase likes Missouri, it'll match you up. You can make your $10 bet and uh, they get 50 cents of it. The money goes to a PayPal account and then automatically awarded to the winner. And so they've spent the last three, four months down in Brazil because oh, wow. most the betting in the world, most of the betting in the world is done on soccer. And uh, my daughter, Camille, played volleyball at the University of Wyoming. And uh, she's married now and uh, is a dental hygienist, lives in Gainesville, Florida. And her husband's doing his residency to be an internal medicine doctor. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm proud of, of my wife and children and, and all they've accomplished. And, uh, you know, I, I just look at my main job as putting them in position to succeed. There's, you know, a scripture uh, in Malachi 4, 6. It says, you know, the spirit of the Lord will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children's hearts to the fathers. And, uh, you know, you look at our, again, kind of this generation, there, there's kind of a fatherless generation out there that a lot of fathers have spent too much time watching the game on Sunday or uh, at work, you know, trying to put food on the table and, uh, you know, haven't taken the time that maybe they could have to uh, play with their kids. And, uh, you know, I, I was blessed that, you know, my heart was turned to my wife and kids and, uh, you know, I was able to spend time with them. All right. Chase, talk about, he, he's pretty much used up everybody except your, your wife and three kids. So tell us about them. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my wife, Stacy and I, we went to high school together at Raypack and dated since our junior year in high school there. So um she ended up going to Avila for a year and then transferred over to Missouri and we've been uh, married for just over let's see almost 10 and a half years right now and we have three little ones uh Elsie that's seven she's a second grader Elijah is five he's in kindergarten and Josiah that's two and he's uh the only one at home right now with Stacy as they've started school and they, he gets he gets all all kinds of one-on-one -on -one time and um uh, it's, it's a, a pleasure to just ask my dad these, these same questions that you're, you know, we're, we're talking about right now and more as, as I get to, to enjoy those three and, and my wife and actually starting coaching, started coaching um, seven and under soccer last night uh, for, for them and got a season coming ahead on Saturdays. So that, that'll, limit some of my football watch some of my football watch that we were talking about so does your two-year-old run the house oh he he's actually been the best one that plays by himself really surprisingly right. but 
but when he's on and you know up around the other ones he is running the house uh, he'll, 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 he'll get after them all and he was just on the way way home from soccer practice last night they were asking him questions and he was just uh, no 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 so they 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 love to hear whatever he has to say and it just you know the volume gets louder and louder and louder until we finally have to calm him down a little bit or send him outside <laughs> i always wrap wrap up the interviews with this and and chase i'll let you go first this time and, and then we'll come back to you paul what's your legacy what is my legacy um my legacy is, and, and my dad might say the same thing, but um, my, my family, the, what, what, what people say, you know, how, how I treated them and how I affected their lives, um, you know, just in the everyday. Okay. Paul, what's your legacy? Well, I think, you know, kind of, kind of going back to scriptures again, that, uh, you know, the, we're called to love God and love people. And, uh, you know, growing up in a town of 600 people, you knew everybody in town, you know, you, you couldn't be phony. Everybody knew everything about you anyway. Uh, so I, I just feel that, you know, I, I love God and I love people and, uh, you know, some people I love a little more than others, but, uh, <laughs> uh you know, it's just, uh, you know, navigating through life and, uh, you know, obviously proud of my, my family and uh, what they've accomplished and just what kind of people they are. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have a lot of friends, uh, guys, you know, from high school, guys from college, you know, guys from the pros that, you know, I can pick up the phone anytime and, uh, you know, just not skip a beat with them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed man, no doubt. All right. Well, it's good to catch up with you guys. Um, I'm just getting to know Chase recently. And Paul, you and I, we've known each other for a long time. I remember one time walking into Joe's in Kansas City and you were sitting there eating lunch with Lynn Dickey. And I was supposed to be having a business meeting. And I spent probably 15, 20 minutes talking to you guys. And I'm like, who, what, who were those old guys? And I said, Don't worry about it. Let's, <laughs> it's good to catch up with, with both of you. And uh, I appreciate your time very much. All right. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.